0: ask you a question, she said. She wasn't asking for permission, but rather preparing me for what came next. We were sitting in the back left section of this church. It was a Saturday morning, and we were gathered here to learn and explore how to have conversations with family and friends around race. We'd been tasked with pairing off with someone sitting near us to have a discussion. When I chose my seat when I came in that morning, I intentionally placed myself with people I didn't know. I felt that the conversations are often more honest that way, and I wanted to hear what people who I didn't already connect with had to say about this topic. So this woman, who was now asking me questions, was essentially a stranger. We'd been talking together for maybe 10 or 15 minutes. You look like one of those women who live in my neighborhood, she continued. You know, those white, fundamentalist, Christian, ultra-conservative women And then she asked her question. So why are you here? In the 10 to 15 minutes that we had been talking, this woman had labeled me as white, okay, fundamentalist, Christian, and not just conservative, but ultra-conservative. We had barely gotten to know one another, and she had judged me in this way. Later, after I had cleared up some of her confusions, I asked her, what made you think this? And all she could say was, you were just so nice. (laughs) Our sermon series this year calls us to explore labels that we use in our lives And this morning, we will be focusing on labels of religious affiliation. We all have certain images that come to mind when we think of different religious groups. For some, it may be a universal symbol, like a cross for Christianity, Star of David for the Jewish faith. But other times we think of people. The Dalai Lama a woman wearing a hijab. We also make assumptions about how these people of varying faiths will behave. But what happens when these assumptions impact the way we interact with people of other faiths? Recently, I was attending a professional development session with a couple of colleagues learning about restorative practices. I teach with these folks on a daily basis, but being at a new school, we haven't had a lot of time to come to know one another. I'm not sure exactly how the topic came up, but I mentioned something about the winter solstice service that we hold each year. It was mid-sentence when one of my teammates stopped me. "'Wait, wait,' he said. "'Did you just say that your church has a winter solstice service?' <laughs> Yes, I replied. What kind of church do you go to, he asked. (laughs) I am a member of the Unitarian Universalist Church of Loudoun. I knew it, he exclaimed. I had confirmed his expectations. We as humans use labels for a variety of reasons and purposes. Our labels help us to make sense of the world around us. We are flooded with information every moment of every day. The labeling of things helps us to make sense of that information. In the introduction to our summer worship series, Ricky Keats shared this quote from Adam Alter in Psychology Today. Categorically labeling is a tool that humans use to resolve the impossible complexities of the environments we grapple to perceive. Not only do labels help us to make sense of the world, but we also get some benefits out of using labels. The woman who labeled me as a fundamentalist Christian and ultra-conservative, I later learned, did so, out of a need for self-preservation the women in whom, in her neighborhood who she was referring to had hurt her and her children she had been ostracized called names and singled out for her religious and political beliefs having been hurt before this woman was trying to guard and protect herself from that pain again She was trying to gauge how defensive she needed to be with me and whether or not she could open herself up. My co-worker was in essence calling me friend. He too had attended a UU church and was saying that I was like him. He knew something about me by knowing that I am a UU. I have not always been a UU, When I was a middle school student, I chose the label of Christian for myself. It was a label I wore with pride because it filled a need I had at the time. It meant I belonged. I was a part of something. And what middle schooler doesn't want to feel accepted and a part of something? What I came to realize was that that acceptance only applied as long as my beliefs were in line with those of the church. And so as I've grown older and hopefully wiser and maybe matured a little bit, maybe, I no longer identify with that label and I have treated it for my identity as a UU, a seeker, But while I have shifted my identity, not everyone who knew me then has shifted their perception of me. While I was in Kansas City this past month, I had lunch with a friend from high school. (coughs) After graduation, my friend stayed in the area where we grew up and remains in contact with many of the people that we went to school with. Over lunch, she was catching me up On what everyone was doing now. And she shared with me that one guy we had known recently told her that he no longer believed in God. She responded by saying, How is that possible? I know where he came from. You can't tell me that he no longer believes in God. I found her comments interesting. And it made me start to wonder, what do we do when our ideas about a person no longer fit with the label we've placed on them? For my friend, it meant denying that a person could change that drastically. For the woman I met here in our church, it meant asking questions and trying to reconcile her understanding of who I was in that moment. The quote that Ricky shared a couple of weeks ago has a second part. It says that a label, like so many human faculties, is adaptive and miraculous. But it, is, but it also contributes to some of the deepest problems we face, that face our species. History has given us many examples of, the, of labeling to the extreme. People who have been persecuted time and again for their religious beliefs, for the religious labels placed upon them. The fact that we place labels on others is undeniable. It is part of who we are as human beings, it's how we make sense of the world. The important question, I think, is what do we do with those labels? Are we willing to shift our thinking when we see people act differently than we expected them to based on the labels we have assigned? Do we ask questions to clarify our understanding? Or do we let our labels become stereotypes? and use them as ways of separating and dividing us. In reflecting on our principles, I feel that there are four principles that really guide our interactions with people of various faiths. The first is our first principle, the inherent worth and dignity of every person. We talk about this principle often, But what does it really look like on a day-to-day basis? Do we make room in our social circles, in our workplace conversations, in our churches, in our homes for people with different religious beliefs? Do we take advantage of opportunities in our community that celebrate and honor the beliefs that are different from our own? I wonder what would happen if we approached people of other religions with a sense of curiosity. If our first response was not to pass judgment, but to say, tell me more. My daughter recently shared that she was learning about the traditions and customs of a friend of hers at school who was Muslim. A classmate had recently immigrated to the U.S., and as she told me of these conversations, it became apparent to me that she was not just being polite to this new classmate, but she was truly interested in learning from her. One of the things that I love about this faith is that we have the freedom to explore other religious beliefs without a sense that we must reject that which we hold true in this moment. In fact, our fourth principle, the free and responsible search for truth and meaning, actually calls us to seek out our own truth and meaning. This process of discernment must begin with an uninhibited sense of curiosity. It doesn't mean that we will accept everything we learn as our own truth, but how can we know what is possible without first researching and honoring beliefs and traditions of others? Ours is also a spiritual community, and our third principle speaks to the encouragement of spiritual growth in our congregations but spiritual growth may look different for each of us. A friend recently shared that there seems to be an increasing number of people who are UUs, but who are also claiming other faith traditions. These people are hyphenating their chosen labels. For instance, calling themselves UU Christians, UU Buddhists, UU Jew, or you, you humanist. Again, I find this interesting. I'm not sure I know why people do this, and I may be totally wrong, but I think that one of the things that's happening is that people are feeling the desire to claim their own spiritual path while also honoring that you may be on a different spiritual journey. Finally, our second principle calls us to justice, equity, and compassion in human relations. Compassion and love must be the foundation for all we do. I'm not saying that we should be complacent when faced with injustice, but we must always strive to start from a place of love. Last month, while I was attending General Assembly, we received word that the Westboro Baptist Church would be protesting our gathering outside of the convention hall. Having grown up in Kansas, where this church is headquartered, I am all too familiar with their activities. And I had many labels, religious and otherwise, ready to assign them. (laughs) they came that day with anti-LGBTQ signs and messages of hate saying that we would go to hell for our acceptance of our LGBTQ brothers and sisters within minutes of their arrival they were met with about 70 UUs who gathered across the street the UUs carried LGBTQ-affirming signs, displayed rainbow flags, chanted, Side with love, and sang the hymn, There is more love somewhere. Resistance founded in love. Reverend Rose Schwab, minister of the Shawnee Mission UU Church, was quoted that day as saying, hate is easy. Love is so much harder. She's right. And yet, whether it is in our daily interactions or our acts of protest, we must continue to try to approach all things from a place of love. As human beings, it is inevitable that we will label those around us. The bigger question is, what do we do with those labels? Can we be curious and discerning? Can we honor and celebrate our differences? Can we make space for different viewpoints? And can we always, always, Strive to have our actions grounded in love for one another. May it be so, and blessed be. For our final hymn today, um, I would ask that you would stand in body or spirit and join us in singing, There is More Love Somewhere.